Hey everyone, and welcome to That's My 20 Cents, a podcast created to champion women, their achievements, and what it took to get them there. Hosted by Maggie Bale and Hannah Martin. Hey guys, and welcome back to the first episode of That's My 20 Cents for 2021. I'm Maggie. And I'm Hannah. And we know we took a brief break, but we're back and better than ever with an awesome episode this week. This week, we have the pleasure of welcoming Shelly Zalas who is the CEO of the Female Quotient. The Female Quotient is a company focused on advancing equality in the workplace. The Female Quotient brings visibility to female and diverse leaders through a collaborative partnership and creating a way for businesses to measure their equality. As the first female chief executive ranked in the research industry's top 25, Shelley is working tirelessly to change the culture surrounding equality across disciplines in the workplace. She states that her legacy is to be a role model to women and mentor those who are in the next generation. Shelley authors a Forbes column that provides advice to women in the messy middle, aka the middle management class, who are looking to rise up in leadership positions. She's co-founder of Hashtag See Her, a movement led by the Association of National Advertisers to increase the accurate portrayal of women and girls in advertising and in media. She's also on the board of directors for Makers. So everyone join me in welcoming Shelly to the pod. All right, guys, this week we are so excited to welcome our new guest, Shelly Zalis. How are you tonight, Shelly? Very good. Very excited to be with you guys. I'm so inspired and impressed by you. And I have to start by saying your creativity already calling your podcast 20 cents blows my mind uh, because of the, the pay gap for men and women. So I, I, I already feel like I'm inspired by genius by both you, Maggie, and you, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you. You're actually our first guest of the year. So, you know, getting started with um, obviously a powerhouse for our first episode of the year. So just to get started, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background? Well, I love that I'm the first because I've been, you know, well known to be the first. One of the things I always say to myself is you need to be the first, the second and the third. The first is always the one that creates the new idea, the innovation, but there's no ecosystem, there's no marketplace. So you make all the mistakes, you don't get the money, no one follows you because everyone thinks you're gonna lose and be wrong. The second is the copycat. They always copy you, but they don't really know what's under the hood. The third is always the sweeper. They come in on the shiny white horse and they pick up where you left off or where you know you made the mistakes. They get the money, they get the funding, they get the following and they win. And so I always said, I need to be the first, the second and the third because I am not gonna come up with the big idea, the new idea and have someone else win. So I like that you, you have me as the first on your podcast this year. So thank you for that. Um, about me. Uh, my nickname is Chief Troublemaker. I am well known to break all the rules that make no sense and create new ones, mainly because I am a mother of three incredible children that are not so children, little adults. One is 24, one is 26, and one is 29. And now I have a daughter-in-law, so I have four kids. Um, but I have been in the workplace for over 30 38 years, a really long time. Oh my gosh, I'm such an old lady. Um, although age is a mindset, so let's just get that out of the way. Um, but I've been in, in the corporate world, in the, in the work world for quite some time and rising the ranks in the corporate world, being a mom, wanting to also have friends, wanting time for myself, raising a family, being a community you know, leader. Um, I just didn't really know how I was gonna do it. 
in the Fortune 500 world. And so very soon I realized that I need to break the rules and create the new ones and create the uncorporate rules so that I would stop being the exception to the rule and create the new norm so that I could thrive in the workplace and have it all my way, which is a whole other conversation. And that was very important to me. So I have been in market research my whole career. Um, have you ever taken a survey on the internet? Yes. So I am the mother of that invention. Sorry, not sorry, but I pioneered online research and built the fastest growing research company in the world many years ago. I sold the company about eight years ago. I was the only female CEO top 25 in market research my entire career. And uh, when, when I sold my company, once again, I was on a board of predominantly men. Um, and I realized it was time for me to give back with generosity what I wish I had rising the ranks. And so I started the female quotient. And so I'm happy to go into the female quotient if you want me to, or whenever you're ready. Yes, we definitely want to hear more about the female quotient. That's actually how we found you. So we would love to hear more about that. And that's our next question anyway. So can you please tell us more about it? Okay. So the female quotient really happened by accident. The name uh, came very simply. First came the intelligence quotient, IQ. Then came the emotional quotient, EQ. Now comes the female quotient, FQ. When you add more women to any equation, there's a return on equality. Um, so our company is all about advancing women and advancing equality. And it really started by accident. So I always say we went from a moment to a movement. I wanted to go to a technology conference in Las Vegas. I heard there was 150,000 people attending, less than 3% were women. And I thought to myself, put me in a market research conference anywhere in the world. I probably know plenty of people. It was not intimidating. But to go to a conference like that where I'm not going to know anyone, I'm going to be left out, I'm going to be alone, I mean, who wants to do that? I had two options. Don't go. Talk myself out of it because it would have been easier not to go. Or do what I did, which was invite four of my girlfriends to go with me. So on a Friday, and the show started on a Sunday, I called my girlfriends, I said, go walk the floor with me in Vegas. And if you know other women that wanna go, please invite them. So literally 24 hours later, 50 women showed up to walk the floor. And two remarkable things happened. One, every single guy's head turned. Like where the heck did all of you women come from? And it's when I coined the phrase power of the pack. A woman alone has power, collectively we have impact. The second thing that happened was I was surrounded by women just like me. Work-life balance issues, imposter syndrome, perfection, all those things. How do you get ahead in a boys club? And that is when the girls lounge was born. The opposite of boy is girl, the opposite of club is lounge. If there's a boys club, now there's a girls lounge. And a lot of women were like, gosh, but we're not girls, we're women. I said, have you ever heard of a man object to being a boy in the boys club? Never. I don't care what country you live in. I don't care what, what industry you play in. No one has ever objected to being a boy in the boys club. And so the girl sound was born. By day two of the show, 50 women turned to 100. By day three, we had the penthouse suite in the hotel. And 
it became this amazing safe space for women to support other women and to connect with other women. And Madeline Albright says that women that don't support other women deserve a place in hell. <laughs> we say that women that support other women deserve a place in heaven. And it has been really quite remarkable. We have evolved the girls lounge now to the equality lounge because we know that gender equality is not a female issue. It's a social and economic issue. And we need to bring leaders in Fortune 500. If you're a man or a woman, I don't care. If you are a conscious leader that will help close the gaps, the pay gaps, the 20% gap, the pipeline gaps, diversity in the workplace, but also the pathway to leadership. Because um, we women tend to fall off in middle management, which we call the messy middle. The um, policy gaps, making sure we have the right policies that attract and retain the right talent and also the people gaps that we upskill everyone so that everyone can bring their true self, their whole self, their real selves uh, to the table is just incredibly important. So that is what the female quotient is all about. It's about building conscious community. And it's also about creating measurement and accountability so that people don't just talk about the problems, but we actually create the solutions and hold ourselves responsible for them. And we create a lot of amazing thought leadership, rewriting the rules and really telling a new story, not a legacy story, but closing the legacy gaps and opening this new world of opportunity for all of us. Well, we definitely love that. And we love what you're doing for women's equality and making advances for women, because that's what we're all about. So you're a perfect fit for our podcast. Uh, so you've already touched on this a little bit, but what was it like in the beginning of your journey with the female quotient? And what was it like to start a new company? Was it terrifying? And you had experience in the workforce, so maybe it wasn't so much, but what was it like to kind of get the ball rolling with that? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. No one has asked me that question, actually. Um, it, you know, I, I talk a lot about heartbeat moments. There is the cognitive, which is how you use your head. And that's when you make rational decisions. You can talk yourself in or out of something. But I have always followed my heart. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. When your heart goes like that, you got to follow it. Or you know what could happen if your heart goes too fast and you don't listen to it. So I have always followed my heart, right or wrong. I've had a zig when others zag. And I've been okay with that. I've been uncomfortable my whole life. So I'm quite comfortable being uncomfortable. Here I am a senior executive in a publicly traded company, the company that bought my company. The com it was called Ipsos, a French company. And um, I had launched the Girls Lounge while I was at Ipsos. I was running global innovation at Ipsos in 83 countries or 87 countries. And I remember sitting with the CEO one day and I said, you know, I feel like the girls lounge, which was this little nugget of an idea needed to grow. And I had committed to five years in this company. My five years ended and it was either do I renew and stay at this company or not. And so I said, listen, I will stay with the condition that you invest in the girls lounge. So because it was a pop up at big industry conferences. And so my contract came back and um, there was no girls lounge mentioned in there. And so I said to the CEO, well, where's the girls lounge commitment? And he said, listen, we're committed, but I can't put it in writing because who knows, you know, where the world is going and all that. And I said, well, if you can't put it in writing, it means it's not a priority and it's become really important to me. 
And it was in that moment, it was a heartbeat moment that I realized it was time for me to give back with generosity what I wish I had rising the ranks. And I have to walk the talk. And I resigned, I didn't resign, I didn't renew because I did five years. I did not renew because I knew that I had to follow my heart and take the girls lounge to wherever it was gonna go. Now, interestingly enough, I had a $2 million overhead on the girls lounge leaving my job was risky how i was going to pay the bills and inherit these bills for the girls lounge riskier but it wasn't even a thought it was just something i had to do and i remember calling my husband from paris saying I, i'm leaving my job because i'm gonna go run the girls lounge and when i left ipsos and i i really think i'm so grateful to ipsos I asked for $500,000 when I left to help me defray some cost. And they gave me, you know, half a million dollars over two years. So I had $250,000 to pay a $2 million um, fund. And um, it was just, that became the business model. I didn't have to think about it because I knew if Ipsos gave me $250,000 a year, I needed to go to other companies for $250,000 because I want to treat everyone equally. And that is how the female quotient started was with a business model that was not, you know, I, I didn't have a business plan that said, you need to generate this amount. It just was what it was. Ipsos gave me 250 for a year. It meant I had to go to other partners to get 250 for a year. And that is how the female quotient started. I think that's a really cool backstory and how you kind of just left left with it and followed your heart and knew exactly what you wanted to do and kind of chased after that. Um, and I know that a big part of your a female quotient is your equality calculator and how you've kind of used that across businesses. So how has that, how did that grow out of your female quotient and how did Girls Lounge transition into the female quotient? So I did not know. Uh, not to be contrary, I did not know what I was doing when I left Ipsos. I had no idea, but that excited me. You know, there was no textbook for what I was doing. I was the first. And so when you're the first, there is no textbook. You just got to make shit up as you go. And, and then you grow in those shoes. And if it feels right, you keep going in that direction. And if not, you redirect and figure it out, right? So um, that was that. Um, the calculator, it, we just launched the calculator a week ago with our partners at City, and um, I, oh God, it's so relevant for 20 Cent to be on the 20 Cent podcast. Um, I just wanted to create a conscious leadership um, calculator. Right now, we know that if we close, well, we know that according to the World Economic Forum, it will take over 257 years to close the gender pay gap. Two hundred and fifty seven years which is 250 years too long in my opinion so that's the first fact we also know that when we do close the pay gap if we did close the pay gap we have the opportunity to add over 28 trillion dollars to the global gdp by 2025 and over $4.3 trillion to the US GDP by 2025. So we know that diversity is good for business and we know that closing the gap will add money in the economy. Check, check. The problem is I won't be here in 257 years to see that and that is ridiculous. 
And so we need intentionality to close the gap because it cannot be this complicated. And usually we put in a ton of numbers and HR you know, teams work on it. But we wanted to create a tool that the C-suite, that the CEO would be able to put in an average male salary in his company, an average female salary, and look at what the delta is and understand what his gap or her gap is, period. So be conscious. Once conscious, you have a choice, do something or not. And we'll help you find the money because it's not hard to find. If you actually want to find it, you will. If you want to not find it and have it an excuse all the time or blame everyone else, you could do that too. And so that was the objective of the calculator, number one, to create conscious and intentional decisions. So the first thing you have to do is be aware. Once aware, you have to decide if you want to do something or not. The second thing was I wanted to help companies look at what their company's contribution to the GDP would be. So we always talk about the global GDP, 28 trillion, but it's easy to say, oh, not take accountability. But if I can show a company your contribution to the GDP by closing your gap is why, then it makes them more interested in, in moving forward. So that was the idea of the calculator. So we're pretty excited. It's a free tool. Anyone can use it. Um, and it really is about going from the unconscious or the excuses to the conscious with accountability. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's a great point that you bring up that making companies conscious of the pay gap that women experience is definitely the first step towards creating real change. And I think that that's what we've aimed to do is really create awareness for what women do experience in the workplace and how gender affects factors like pay, treatment in the workplace, and um, moving up the ladder. So Speaking of moving up the ladder, what's a typical day in the life for you as the CEO of the Female Quotient? Listen, you know what? I, I, I am not someone that really believes in titles. You know, that's what you do, but it's not really who you are as a human. Uh, I mean, I, I'll take out the garbage if I have to. I will, I will do whatever it takes um, to make our company really successful. And, you know, I always say I hire for passion and train for skill. And when you love what you do, it's called passion. When you don't, it's called stress. I love what I do. So, um, you know, every day is a new day. I don't really know. I know that in COVID, in this pandemic, it involves Zoom. So, you know, I am on Zoom all day. Uh, we've moved our physical lounges to virtual. So we have a lot of virtual conversations. I actually think in the last 10 months, uh, we've hosted over 450 conversations with over 1,400 speakers. So we are very busy keeping the conversation going, keeping equality, you know, lit up. Like, you know, we know that right now with this pandemic, um, we have seen a disproportionate impact on women, women of color, primary caregivers, period. You know, we know that. And so we need to keep the conversations going um, to make sure that companies are also quite conscious of, you know, the people they're furloughing, reducing salaries, letting go, because most of those people, actually in December, 100% of job loss was women. So we need to keep the, the conversation on high alert so that we don't go backwards. We've made so much progress and now um, we are hearing that we've gone back about 25 years 
um, in the pay gap and in the pipeline gaps and all of those things as a result of the pandemic. So, you know, day in the life for me, every day is a new day that I wake up with, you know, truly passion in my DNA, purpose and passion in my DNA. And I'm ready to, to do whatever it takes, including, you know, helping so many women that, you know, find us on LinkedIn or, you know, on Instagram and, and just need help. So many female small business owners are, are struggling significantly and being an old lady uh, that has been in business development and an entrepreneur my whole career, there's probably a lot of um, untextbook like advice that I could give that could go a long way to, to helping um, incredible women. So in the beginning, you talked about how you were a pioneer in your field and you were one of the only women to ever work in the market research and kind of pioneer that forward. And now you work for a female quotient and you're around women all the time. So how is working in that arena where you were one of the only women and now you're in an arena where it's all where you're championing women? How has that kind of impacted your experiences in the workplace? Um, gosh, I so love it because women um, are not afraid to be vulnerable. And I think growth comes from vulnerability. Um, yet, in the same breath, when you put a lot of women together, you know, um, I don't like gossip. So like that to me, you know, and people perception becomes reality. So, you know, we do need to create these open forums of sharing so that, you know, we do that because sometimes, and that happens in any company, but I really, I, I love it. I would not choose any, any differently. I, I feel like I'm surrounded by people just like me all the time. We share the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, we are vulnerable. We cry. We share, you know, emotion and, you know, and it's okay to not be okay kind of thing. You don't have to pretend, you know, when you are surrounded by people that all are, are having similar challenges and, you know, I have so many young women that are primary caregivers that now are taking care of their young children and having to homeschool. And it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, one of the things that I say is the best advice comes from people who have been there, done that. And I can relate. I couldn't even imagine at this stage of my life having young kids that I have to take care of while I'm at home, you know, that are not in school. So um, I love it. And I, I think it's refreshing to be able to have that conversation and say, you know, you just pissed me off because you did X, Y, and Z and have someone say, oh God, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean it, you know? And when, once a woman is aware, we fix it, you know? Versus that bravado of not being vulnerable or not being able to say you messed up. Just say you messed up and we'll fix it together. Who cares, you know? Um, and I have, you know, young women to, you know, more seasoned women, you know, across the board and we're all learning from each other. You know, I, when we talk about mentorship, I, I call it mentorship in the moment. You learn bits and bites of advice from different people, but it's not just wisdom from the top down or from the bottom up. It's about sharing the knowledge and the learning with people all around you. And, and that's where I think the greatest growth comes from. I think that's great. And we've had guests on in the past that have talked about how, uh, a lot of people see vulnerability as a weakness when women turn it into a strength. And so I think that that's a great point that you bring up that working in a more female dominated company, that has been something that you guys have been able to play into um, as a strength. And I think that that's amazing. So switching gears just a little bit, um, can you tell us more about your Forbes column? We were super impressed. We 
were, you know, reading through some of your articles and your pieces before we got on with you. So talk a little bit about that, if you will. Yeah, the Forbes column, we, we publish five times a month on Forbes and it's called the messy middle. So we talk about middle management, which is where there's the biggest fall off. We started about 50-50 in the workplace, um, unless you're in technology or finance um, or medicine or law. But you started about 50-50 and you end at less than 17% in the C-suite. So where the biggest fall off is in middle management. So we call that the messy middle. So the article is called Messy Middle. And it really is focused on all kinds of things like work-life balance, being a primary caregiver, perfection, imposter syndrome, all kinds of things. And it's a very real article. Like we interview real women in the workplace and you know what their challenges are, what their solutions are, um, how they can shortcut it, uh, you know, what it really means. Sometimes, you know, we think it's a problem, but it actually really isn't. Like who said that it's a problem? Was that in a handbook that you, you can't go to your kid's soccer game? No, but we sneak out because we're afraid to tell anyone, you know, we should not be afraid. There's nothing in a handbook that says that. I don't know where that came from. That's a legacy perception, right? So it just uncovers like real things. And, you know, it's fun to write and, uh, you know, it, it's gaining a lot of love because you can't make this shit up. I mean, it's just, it's the real deal. Yeah, um, Hannah's a writer and she does a lot of writing. Um, I'm not gifted in that area, but I love reading Hannah's work. I have my other strengths, but um, <laughs> Hannah's great at writing. And so we were reading some of your stuff and it was really cool to learn and to read from it. And you're right, it's very genuine and um, really relatable. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can recognize. Um, I work in college admissions and we always say that genuine recognizes genuine. And you really can recognize that you really are just trying to help people. And I think that that's something that comes across to the reader as well. I have to do a big shout out to Sean and Amelia on my team because they are incredible. And they, um, when you, I, you know, the next generous, we did a lot of work with Parkland students and they said they hate the word authentic because they don't think it's a real word. They think it's a made up word. They think it's an inauthentic word. They like the word real. So I will use the word real. You know, it's, it's real people asking real questions and getting real answers and not sugarcoating it, you know? And so I think that it's, it's really important. And it's not, you know, just interviewing celebrities and well-known people. It's, it's something that really is out there to give real advice from women who have been there, done that. And so I think that's why it, it reads so well because um, it's, they're true stories. Um, to ask you something more personal, um, you've obviously done a lot with your career and you've accomplished so much and there's so much that we can all learn from you, but what are you most proud of? I, I think I'm the most proud of two things um, in the workplace. What am I the most yes. proud of? One is bringing together Fortune 500 companies, even if they're competitive in business, to unite and share on equality. So I think that that has been really rewarding, really refreshing, where we share the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, because historically we have all been doing the same thing separately, which is why we go backwards. But we are now working together, dividing and conquering so that we can create progress and share success and not success. 
you know, but not have to recreate the wheel. So I think that's one. Number two, we built the largest community of women supporting other women in the workplace. We have over 50,000 women across 100 countries um, that, you know, are all part of a sisterhood now. They're, they're part of a pack. And it's, it's really amazing because I never had that. And, you know, I, there were plenty of women around, but we were, we were so competitive with one another because historically there's been such scarcity of jobs at the top, you compete. And, you know, we are now collaborating and we're all friends and you can make a very scary, cold world feel very warm and cozy. Um, if you realize that you can share the love, the light, uh, the purpose, the passion, and you can still be in your own competitive space, but we can we can support each other. We can hold hands, and you know what's amazing in, in in our community. If you need anything, you reach out, and you will get a yes. And then the second question is, and what is it that I need to help you with? But you will get a yes. And so I'm I'm really proud, and I have a, a network of fifty thousand incredible women in the workplace that have you know, I've met through a lounge or has connected through Instagram or link. It doesn't really matter how we found each other or how well we know each other. It just feels a personal now. And it makes me feel, it makes me smile. We definitely applaud all the work that you've done with the female quotient. And you bring up how women are so competitive with one another. And I think it's great that you're fostering community rather than competition. So that's something that a lot of guests have brought up in the past is that they feel the most threatened, I suppose is the word to use by other women in their workplace because there's so a scarcity of positions at the top that everyone wants to fight for them. So I, we love what you're doing, creating a community. Get the positions that the men, the men hold, you know, work together and get, there's plenty of those guys, you know? Yes. So, you know, there's room for everybody. And, you know, one of the things we always say is if there's no room at the table, then pull up a seat because there is always room and we are all necessary. We are all important. We're all equal. We all might have different roles. And Oscar Wilde says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. And so Maggie, you used the word, you know, vulnerability is strength. Oh no, Hannah, you said vulnerability is strength. And then Maggie, you said our differences are a strength. It is so true. Our differences is our greatest strength. And that's the magic that we all complement each other. Like, you know, Hannah, you're a great writer. And Maggie, you are, you know, we didn't talk about your strengths, Maggie, but you know, you bring a, a whole other set of strengths. I'm not a great writer, you know, but I have other amazing strengths. I just need to surround myself. And that's what the power of team is, that we all bring complementary parts. If we were all the same, we wouldn't be necessary, right? Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Um, so our final question, we always ask everyone and everyone always is stumped by it. Um, so where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. Um, I don't care. As long as I'm following my heart. And right now, you know, we just launched a um, global pack dinner series where we are uniting the world to the power of women in 100 countries. And we're doing it virtually. We just did 15 countries. Um, and it's been amazing. Um, I hope to visit all those countries and spend time with women in in those countries and help impact change. And um, 
be with the people I love being with, which is, you know, incredible women doing remarkable things. I want to bring visibility to those women. I want to amplify uh, those voices. And I would like to leave a legacy of change while I'm still alive. Yeah, I love that. And it seems like you are off to a great start leaving a legacy behind. So um, we have loved having you on the podcast tonight. You are incredible. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. I personally feel like I've gotten a lot out of it. And I'm sure Maggie has too. So thank you so much. You're both hired. Let me know what you want to do. You can write some articles. You can, it, you can host the podcast. We can take 20 cent. I'll introduce you to tons of corporates. You know, you tell me what you want to do next. You both are badass. So you let me know what you want to do. Thank you thank so you. much. All right, guys, so that's it for this week's episode of That's My 20 Cents. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. We are now on all major streaming platforms for podcasts, so be sure to follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Bye, guys.